Just give us a oh yeah, do you want to do a sound noise of clapping? Sorry? Just, just a sync, so just oh. clap and then it'll sync the, uh, all the... Does that actually work? I yeah. thought you were a professional. I don't know. I've never done the clapping before. <laughs> it gives you a waveform peak for the audio, so all three cameras are for like, recording audio. Ah, and that wakes so, them up. Yeah. It wakes me up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so, Elisa Batten, co-founder, Batten, right? Yeah, Batten. Co-founder of The Circle. Thank you so much for joining us on a new table. Yeah, thanks to, for coming in. Yeah, of course. Um, to chat with us about all things sustainable when it comes to fashion. Mm -hmm. So, looking great, but also, you know, being a little bit considered while doing so. Um, so, I'm actually a happy customer of The Circle. Are you? I am. I got this great uh, DVF bag. I actually should have brought it in today. Yeah. Um, so I really love your concept. I discovered it actually through Instagram. Awesome. And then that's how I discovered you. Perfect. Um, but for those who don't know about The Circle, do you want to tell us what it's about? Yeah, so The Circle is an online uh, resale platform for women's wear. We make selling your clothes totally hassle-free by doing a fully managed service where we'll collect from your door, you can send it into us and we'll do all the work for you. So you can just sit back and relax. Um, and then from a consumer's point of view, we aim to convert more people to shopping secondhand by elevating the online experience to feel like you're shopping new. And we do this through the use of models and professional photography. Uh, which I'm sure, as you've said, you've been a customer, um, you can get the sense that it doesn't feel like your typical, stereotypical um, secondhand shop. Yeah, you get to really get a feel of the clothes and how they would hang on somebody totally. else. Yeah, because essentially, I believe there's quite a few barriers uh, to why people don't shop secondhand and it's about knocking them down. And I think one of them is the stress of shopping secondhand whereby you're scrolling through flat laid pixelated pictures mm. um, on eBay or you're trawling through charity shops and so one of those barriers to knock down is just making it really easy and people find it easy to scroll down something like Net-a-Porter so why can't they find it yeah. easy to scroll down a secondhand site. Obviously you're trying to offer a different solution than like the Vinted mm -hmm. and Depop platforms right by making it like you said more elevated but also you still offer the same so like solution right like yeah, you serve to customers who want to buy secondhand but you also offer the service of people who want to sell their clothes right yes yeah. totally and that and that we do hassle free i think the do-it-yourself platforms are great uh, for people that have the time mm -hmm. but for a lot of people that don't that's a big barrier as to why a lot of clothes remain inside people's wardrobes because they just don't have the time or the capacity uh, or the drive really to get them up onto platforms themselves. And that's where we come in and we'll say, well, don't worry, we can do that for you. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I know you've referred to um, charity shops. So from an outsider perspective, sure. obviously being from Canada, I find that the UK has like a brilliant charity shop, um, like secondhand thrift store network. Sure. Um, but you guys are mainly online. What was the decision behind that? The high street, 
is struggling. I think physical shops are really mm-hmm. expensive right. and they don't ha- get the generate the same sort of revenue as they once did. People are more people are shopping online, and it's a really sad state actually seeing the high street sort of deplete into what it is now. And there's a lot of empty storefronts. Um, so what we do as a sort of middle ground is we do quite regular pop-ups. So it gives people the opportunity to come in and see us and see the clothes in person. Um, but to have a full shop front at the moment doesn't really work in the business plan. Mm-hmm. And I think actually the other thing, I was speaking to a founder of a little secondhand boutique and she said her biggest struggle was actually the security and she was putting her life on the line for an Hermes bag and she just was oh, thinking, okay. you know, there's, what's the point in this anymore? Right. Um, so unfortunately in the way that London is, there's a, yeah, the, the, the ones at the shop fronts do deal with a lot of security issues and I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready to um, put my life on the line for a Chanel bag. Yeah, because you, di- you guys deal with a lot of designer things, right? But yeah, we also- have a, a, yeah, yeah, I think we're, we proudly have an array. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky one actually from a business perspective. Obviously the high-end pieces uh, generate the most revenue, have the highest mm-hmm. margins, but in order to make an impact, you need to be as accessible as possible. Right. Um, so we will sell things for thirty pounds mm-hmm. um, and up. That's sort of our bottom line. If we can sell it for thirty, forty pounds, we can sell it for you. So basically, if somebody wants to shop at the Circle, whatever their budget, they're gonna find something. Yes. I mean, not everyone, because I'm aware that even thirty, forty pounds will outprice some people mm-hmm. and that's something that hopefully when we scale we'll be able to be even more accessible but right now as a being a startup you have to just be really careful with your margins um because we want to succeed and it's something i'm very aware of um being able to make it as accessible as possible and i'm trying within mm-hmm. the limits that we currently have so you i mean you mentioned scaling obviously i picked up i think on you guys's instagram this week was your one year anniversary last month last month yes. oh my gosh happy belated birthday Thank you. how has it been from i guess starting out it, it was just you on your own in your it was actually me and my home. two co-founders okay um who are lovely two men in their 40s so, okay. Yeah, quite, quite Within cute. the fashion no, industry? One, no, okay. one um, my co-founder Austin was in investment banking for okay. nearly two decades and then did a couple of other startups. And um, Julian, he was the co-founder and COO of Made.com mm-hmm. um, and left a few years ago. But yeah, so they are brilliant yeah. and they do a lot of the sort of less glamorous behind the scenes. Um, but they're brilliant, yeah. And they're, they're focused on the tech, the automation, the operations, uh, keeping everything really lean. Yeah, that's awesome. So it works well. It's a good little little team. I'm a big believer that, you know, good business is just good common sense. So I do <laughs> I, I do appreciate that they don't you don't have to necessarily come from an actual specific background of the industry to like set it up that for it to work. And totally. Yeah. I think that's actually perhaps our niche is that they they brought me on and they came from a perspective of 
uh, seeing a gap in the market, being able to create the tech to fill that gap, mm. um, wanting to be the best in terms of efficiency and in terms of automation. Um, the fashion was an afterthought. And I think right. actually people often think when you start a fashion startup, that's what, you know, it's, it's a girl that loves shopping and yeah. creates it. But yeah. um, actually we came, I'm the afterthought. They did, they got to the place that they thought, hmm, we actually need someone that does know something about Who has an expertise clothes. in fashion. Totally. Yeah. Um, so that's where I came in. So yeah, it's a good triangles, I think are a strong shape. Yeah, complementary forces. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that you guys, was was the idea to always do a eco-conscious or like sustainability driven? Definitely. Brand? So actually before the circle, Julian and Austin uh, did a startup called Kidclo and it was in children's wear. Mm -hmm. So a very similar premise, but in children's wear. Um, and what they quickly learned that unfortunately in the UK market, the biggest infiltrator of children's clothing is supermarkets. And oh, the average price then of your items are within the single digits. Right. And that's what you're competing with. And they had the same model that we've got running now, but they were playing with items that they were selling for four pounds. Yeah. Um, so your margins are so, so, so small. So they were make, having to make everything so unbelievably lean. Um, and they just realized in, in the UK market, we're not there yet mm. in terms of it working. Um, so that's why they went into women's wear. So for them, it was always about creating um, a business that sort of leaves the world better than it found it. Mm. And they were trying to navigate a way of doing that. And that's how they came across this um, through finding out how terrible fast fashion is on the planet. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty. There's definitely a big dark side to that. Um, your so I mean, obviously, you guys are very eco conscious from the product you deliver, mm -hmm. but the vaccine of it, there's also, I think, a lot of decisions you guys make in your operations model to yes. make it conscious? Yeah, so we use um, ACS, is okay, our outsourced that? warehouse. Um, they're up in Glasgow and they're the main player in the sort of eco uh, delivery, cleaning, storage uh, that you get at the moment in the UK. So they do a lot of rentals as well as resale mm -hmm. because obviously rentals require a lot of cleaning and a lot right. of packaging and dispatch and back and forth. Um, and so essentially to break it down is when our, the item comes into our studio, we log the item in, we shoot it here where we're sat. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes up to our studio in Glasgow and they ozone clean it. What's that? And it's this, um, I'm gonna have to, I need to remind of all the, chemical definition but you can always pop up like a little definition on the screen but yeah okay, in your nice. words how would you um ozone song? cleaning uses far less water and it uh filters out the microplastics so that they're not pumped back into the system right because Through i think water because i know water that's a big concern, is a right big concern. Yeah. it's like when you wash things they draw out the plastics of the clothes and then they get pumped back into mm -hmm. the system so they have a filter that stops that. It uses far, far less water. It uses no chemicals. They are they have their B Corp and they're always monitoring their scopes. So they're monitoring their carbon mm -hmm. um, output, uh, all their emissions, even their oh, just general operations. They're constantly, constantly reviewing, checking, making sure that they're as eco as possible, which is really cool. Yeah. So very excited to be working with them. I think it's something that people have been paying attention more and more. Fashion is, I mean, the fashion industry, and I think it's the entire chain mm. connected to that is one of the biggest um, pollutant in the world. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about the dark side of fashion? Like why, why we should care, why people should be? Yeah, aware? totally. I mean, fashion is the third biggest contributor to global pollutions. It's 
bigger than shipping and air travel. Wow. Um, so that's quite staggering. You know, you give people jet for their private jets, but if you're shopping at, if you're over consuming at yeah. fast fashion brands, um, you know, who are you to talk? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, in an ideal world, we get rid of both. <laughs> um, but the other thing is the overproduction. It's just staggering um, how much is produced. It's the equivalent of 26 new items per person on the planet every year is produced. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's so a lot, lot of items. Mm-hmm. You know, you think the average person doesn't get 26 new items a year. Yeah. And you think, how many people there are on the planet? That's crazy. Um, so there's enough has been produced, and we now need to just work with what we've got. And that's where we're trying to just offer. Uh, another life to all these pieces of clothes. Yeah. And maybe also like another way to shop and totally. to think about what we want to add to our closets because I mean this is something I've noticed and it it, it really does make my blood boil these um uh, fast fashion hauls mm. that are super popular on TikTok and totally. Instagram. And I know a, you know a lot of it is just people are not aware of how that contributes to the problem, but Let's say for the audience that buys fast fashion, that buys into the whole like big haul trend, um, or who feel like that's actually the more economical way to shop, how would you have that conversation with them? So it's funny you say the word economical because that I actually got into secondhand because of economical reasons. Mm. My initial uh, step into it wasn't actually for the planet for the planet yeah um 19 year old me uh, started buying clothes from charity shops to flip them on depop to make money so for me it was like do the selling to make money and then as i got a little bit more disposable income i thought i'm a bit of a magpie mm-hmm. i love brands couldn't afford them and so i found all these little secondhand boutiques around london uh ebay i'd be always trawling my favorite brands and it was for me it was accessing things I couldn't afford and that just I got such a kick out of it mm-hmm. um do you get like then, an endorphin oh yeah. totally <laughs> because I was I'd be knowing that I'm wearing a brand that someone else has bought for yeah an extra zero so that's great and there's something um, about the hunt and like finding that perfect piece totally. because it doesn't come in every size yeah the yeah. whole thing is just a winner but yeah. <laughs> um the other thing that I discovered was that I anything I bought secondhand I could sell for the same price I bought it and I was thinking my wardrobe is becoming net zero Mm -hmm. and what I realized was that these items hold value they are an asset my wardrobe is an asset um you know if you buy new and then you walk out the store it value depletes immediately yeah immediately you take the tag out its value's halved but then it plateaus and so that's where I've come in. I've come in on the plateau mm-hmm. and then just stayed on the plateau. Um, and now I do not spend any of my salary on my wardrobe. My wardrobe generates revenue for my wardrobe. It pays for itself. Totally. Yeah. Um, so having conversations with those sorts of people that mm-hmm. claim that fast fashion is more economical, I would argue, actually, you are investing money and you're never seeing that money again. Right. Whereas you might think that it's it's more cash up front, but it's an investment. Yeah. And you will, you can get that cash back. I like that approach. That's really well. Smart. That's that's how I got into it. And then that's it was, how you feed your addiction in a really <laughs> functional, healthy way. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, the, and this is a whole other thing. Actually, I, I was at a panel earlier today, and we were talking about um, whether resale f- continues to fuel overconsumption and perhaps even perpetuates it more because then it's guilt-free. Mm-hmm. And yes, I mean to an extent, you could argue that. I think. 
at the moment our battle is overproduction. Yeah. Um, and I think they are uh, directionally proportional uh, so that if you do combat overproduction, there will be a lag, but hopefully then overproduction, overconsumption yeah. will be reduced too. So it's about reducing the demand, because it's not the demand of clothes that's the issue, it's more the demand of new clothes. Totally. If people, if, if people increase their demand of new to me clothes, yeah, yeah. right, that second hand, then, I mean, we don't have a problem because we're just, everything is in the made. same cycle. And, and in a utopia, uh, in an ideal world, hmm. we would all have two t-shirts, two pairs of jeans, a pair of trainers, and that's just how we'd live our life every day. That would be the most ideal yeah. situation, that you just rotate your t-shirts and you have a very, very, very bare wardrobe. But it's not realistic, it's not the world we live in. Um, you know, the demand for fashion, this demand has brewed over decades. Mm -hmm. It's just been continually building. And I think we need to be realistic about what we're dealing with. Yeah. Um, and it's that sort of thing, if you can't beat them, join them. You've just got to adapt to the current climate mm -hmm. and try and create better options for the demand that is there. Yeah. I mean, I know that uh, there was this, was it a couple of years ago? I think it really got tired, but the capsule wardrobe yeah. sort of concept, the phenomenon. and. I, I really appreciate thinking strategically about every piece, making sure that it actually gets wear. Mm -hmm. um, but then we think about fashion from a, a place where it is uh, an expression of your personality. And I think that's where people kind of miss um, ha being able to add color and accessories and sure. continually evolving how they portray themselves because yeah. you studied anthropology yeah. right so how would you say that your academic background has probably like shifted your understanding of fashion and maybe like using it to your advantage and how you like market um having fun with fashion and, and understanding like you said what what people actually do get out of having access to clothes that they feel represents them but also with that consciousness in mind <sighs> Being, I, I wish I could kind of make up an answer yeah. on the as to why anthropology <laughs> really pushed me into the career. But um, I did more sort of babies and love and politics, so mm -hmm. I didn't really actually annoyingly do much fashion from an anthropological ex mm. perspective. Um, but I do find it interesting looking at trends and um, human behaviours. Yeah, and realizing how many uh, what all the behaviors that i've adopted that are m very mainstream yeah. and part of the mass and actually breaking cycles is trickier and breaking habits is trickier than you think because i mean there's a big so i i studied a bit of evolutionary psychology and business oh, yeah. nice. it, and we talk about fashion and well basically how we can like leverage the psychological and emotional um sort of uh component of what mm. goes behind consumers behavior and their shopping habits and I think what you said before really resonates is if you can't beat them join them yeah. you can't reinvent human nature we all want to belong and wear things that are cool we all want to feel unique and different and so to be able to have access to being able to express how we are and having a wardrobe that's representative of what we want to how we want to put ourselves out there mm -hmm. I think is really important and it's like we can't change that so how do we make sure that we can provide an access for that but in a way that's a little bit more environmentally friendly totally and good for your wallet and yeah, yeah. I think we do say that is uh, 
better for the planet kinder to your wallet <laughs> that is second hand um shopping in one little sentence for sure so i like that you i actually really like that you started with this whole um you know up, upselling reselling mm -hmm. hustle as this kind of economic like that was the motivator basically yeah. and then the eco aspect the sustainability aspect came a little bit later so as an entrepreneur do you feel like was there a particular transition from being a, a business entrepreneur to a social entrepreneur yeah it interesting question actually i think or did it just happen naturally i think it was feel? relatively natural yeah. and i think actually my co-founders helped sort of mentor me into that to an extent as well because they always had the mm -hmm. eco goal at heart um Whereas when I joined, I was coming from a more business perspective mm -hmm. um, with a love for fashion. Yeah. Um, so actually, as I've gone on this journey over the last year and had so many conversations, um, I think that's where I've morphed now into actually the main goal for me has totally changed. And it is much more about impact mm -hmm. rather than economical. And I mean, you know, we talk about obviously like the influence of social media. I know that social media has played a big part, I think, into the way that you've been able to not just reach your audience, but connect with them and what Social. they are looking for. So what are the ways, let's say, would you say that as somebody who, you know, has found its community online, like what's been the, what's the, what's been like the benefits of having that online, like quick access community for, like starting and running a business and scaling it totally i mean so many it gave it just gave a little head start in terms of uh awareness and just that little bit of free marketing mm -hmm. um which is sorry hair hey, on my tongue oh it's okay um, that happens actually to almost everyone when in in when we film really yeah like midway <laughs> you could do a little tiktok yeah everyone pulling hairs out of their mouth um there's me, my social brain. Yeah. What can you, how can you exploit this? <laughs> um, but uh, where was I? Yes, no, having a social media following was really beneficial just uh, in terms of launching and having people, a small bubble, mm -hmm. but aware of the circle. Um, it has helped, um, it helps get messages across. Um, mm -hmm. I also feel like my following, my personal one, they've been with me through the sort of secondhand journey yeah. for a while. So for them, it seemed like quite an organic, mm -hmm. obvious thing. Um, so they all bought in quicker, okay. which I think is cool. Right. Um, but it's it, I do then look at someone like Kylie Jenner and the fact that she can create a billion dollar business overnight. Like that is, that's where social media is so powerful mm -hmm. um, because it is your marketing tool. And now I'm totally focused on the circles, social media. My personal is like, yeah. <laughs> not, not a big deal so much anymore um and you know that is for us as a company it's a free marketing tool to really push on mm -hmm. um, because marketing is expensive it, and that is the yeah, way to get is. your name out there mm -hmm. um so it's really important that you invest time into your social media platforms and particularly when we are such a sort of consumer facing i'd say we're more than just a service people believe in 
the, the mission. The mission, yeah. yeah and, and they come along yeah. with the right. They're like that. a service product and almost like a hub for yeah, yeah. telling a story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, collaborators I know in the social media space are really important. Um, you know, aligning with brands, partnering with different businesses that align with your values have you so like transitioning from just thinking from a business perspective to a business that does have a social mission um how have you found it to be like working with different partner brands or different collaborators like have you found that almost like a little bit more difficult do you feel like that's opened up new doors definitely opened up new doors Mm. um well sorry (laughs) we've um We've worked with some really cool brands uh, at pop-ups, which is, it, it, it becomes a sort of symbiotic relationship because we all then share audiences. Mm-hmm. And you, presumably if someone's following us, they're gonna wanna know um, about the underwear made from trees. Yeah. So Stripe and Stare is a cool brand that we've done pop-ups with. I'm Love. actually wearing them right now. Me too. No way. Yeah, <laughs> oh they are God. so good. Underwear sisters. <laughs> Little plug. They are the most comfortable. Yeah, pants they're very comfy on the planet, mm-hmm. um, and they're biodegradable. Mm. So cool. No brainer. Um, they're packaging too, their which I upstairs. really like. Oh, shut up. No yeah, you should go say. Oh hi. my God, we will. Yeah, <laughs> and they're really cool. Um, and bean London bags that are all made from waste. Um, you know, natural, uh, sustainable skincare mm-hmm. and. No, it's so cool to be able to share audiences um, because we're not competitors we are all striving after one yeah. very important goal um, so we can grow together which is, has been really fun I like that because I think when you know people talk about startups and businesses and I think there's only so many ways that we can reinvent the wheel at the end of the day it's all about you know taking what currently exists and just making it better um, and I really appreciate businesses that usually these local social enterprises have that mindset of being like there's no need to um you know flush out the competition there's if if ever you know there's there's enough for everybody totally if we work together and you think of um when you're shopping new and you walk down a high street or you go online there are so many options um and we almost need in order for it to become impactful Mm -hmm. we need lots of options we need people to be able to think, okay, I need a new dress yeah. and have a plethora of platforms to pick from. Right. Uh, so I definitely encourage other players to come join the game mm. because it, it, we're all after the same goal. That actually brings me to one of the things I was curious about because so men's fashion in this sort of secondhand um, ecosystem, Sure. I don't know much about what's going on in that industry. Uh, mind you, I'm obviously not like the target demographic. Yeah. But um, do hey. you want <laughs> Sam? <laughs> um, time for time shine. I do charity shopping, you know, so you do charity shopping. Yeah, yeah, all the time. No, I prefer that than going to station. Just trying to find better stuff, better quality. Is there so? Is there any service like that? Because you guys, you do mostly women, only right women, now. only women. Yeah. Um, do you, people? I get asked this all the yeah, time. Do you do when men? are you doing men's? When are you doing men's? Yeah. Um, and I, it's oh, more often than not men asking me. You know, my friends yeah. or whatever. They say, when are you going to do menswear? And I go, your friends like your girlfriends? Or? My male friends. Okay, sorry. I thought you were going to say like you know because my boyfriend needs yeah, to over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shut. Please, please help. <laughs> no, it's my male friends are saying we want to yeah. get a piece of the pie. And I just say, like, you know, 
do you have anything that you could sell? And mm-hmm. most of them don't. I don't right. want to stereotype men by any means because there are some amazing fashionistas out there. Um, but most of the men I know, um, it's just different. There's an, they wear their clothes to the ground. They're yeah. almost by default Yeah, you can just say it. They really do own my three good shirts yeah has not updated his wardrobe in probably three mm-hmm. years and he's had t-shirts in there that he's had for a decade and his shirts he's worn for the past yeah since the noughties so i know they can really get away with that yeah i mean because that trends there's a whole thing the the whole market is just targeted at, at women and it's trend-led um and fashion's always changing and events women mm. want different uh, dresses to wear and men can often churn out the same suit so there's just not quite the same market. Um, I think when when starting a business, you want to know that there's going to be demand out there and interest. Mm-hmm. And um, with women, it was sort of a no-brainer with women's wear. There would definitely be demand and interest because of how fashion is targeted mm. towards them. And I mean, would you say, yeah, because in general, I think, because obviously the circle has its own following. You also have your community and that's how people discovered the circle. I guess they're mostly women. Mm, yeah 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 my my demographics are something like 88 percent women so on a personal level um or like just in terms of your personal journey Mm. um obviously you got into the sustainability minded way to run a business just through this like organic transition um and i think that that's very understood in in how the circle has like come to life would I, I feel like it's a yes, but how would you say that that journey has impacted the way that you make other choices in your life as just a consumer, you know, outside of just fashion? No, no, that's a really interesting question um, because I've become so much more conscious in all other avenues um, because I, my recycling, mm-hmm. and I know recycling because so many people say recycling is just, there's no point because. Um, it doesn't actually do that much. Like, and if you go to well, a recycling still, plant, yeah, it, so much doesn't actually end up getting recycled mm. because people put in the one wrong thing into the bag and the bag's void or whatever. Um, but just in terms of my awareness, it's, um, yeah. I, otherwise I feel like a big fat hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I'm just more aware. I wouldn't say I'm perfect in every other avenue by any means, um, but just having that awareness, it was I did not have that before. Yeah. I think it's like, what's the expression? Once you're awake, it's really hard to go back to sleep. Totally. And just this is everywhere. the thing about uh, my shopping habits. Mm-hmm. I can't go in. I used to love Zara. I mean, I genuinely would go in there really? every week. It's okay. Me too. Same, oh, this but, is yeah. When I was at university, I'd do freaking mass orders mm. and send it all back. It makes me feel sick now, like yeah. sick to my stomach. Hey, this isn't part of the regular episode, but a quick heads up before you continue listening. You're going to notice our audio is going to shift slightly, and that's because we had a few tech issues, unfortunately. We did our best to clean things up because the rest of the talk is honestly so interesting. So thanks for bearing with us and enjoy. And I still want, if I've got time to kill, I'll just have a peruse, and it just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Mm. There's no excitement there. I'm just thinking... Oh, it's all all the same, you know. You got it yeah. I feels. know. There's something not special. I, I get I get that because I used to shop. I mean, who didn't, right? In in your teens, and you don't have money, and that's what's cool. And you want to dress like how everyone Especially. else dresses. My my girlfriend, the girlfriend Maisie, her daughter, she's like fourteen, and it's like looking the same and having the same clothes oh, as yeah. all your other friends. Like you don't want your own identity. You really want to be with the cool kids. 
Um, so I get that, you know, but I think everybody is allowed to have a bit of a redemption arc as they get oh, older totally. and they mature. And actually, I do have some pieces from Zara that I bought six, seven years ago that mm -hmm. I still cherish and love. Yeah. Um, but I think it's easier to make less educated and considered decisions when the price tag's low yeah. and it's there so readily available. It's funny, it's like the expression no-brainer. Yeah. And you think, yeah, you're not really used <laughs> yeah. to brain because you don't need to. And actually, it's like at the expense of what? Mm. Yeah. No, and if you're, you know, if I'd known that that item that I was buying in Zara six, seven years ago was going to last me six, seven years, mm -hmm. I'd have, that, that was the right decision. Yeah. Um, but... I feel like old Zara stuff, though, used to be made a little bit of a higher quality. That mm. I'm not surprised that people have kept stuff for a while. Um, but look, at the end of the day, I do think that if there's anything worse than buying fast fashion is to buy fast fashion and actually not wear it. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's it's really wasteful. And it's easily done. Um, there's something, the statistic is, on the, in the average wardrobe, women, in the average female wardrobe in the UK, uh, there's 11 items new with their tags. So that's pretty crazy. Mm. Um, and I can tell you firsthand from going to a lot of wardrobes and yeah. helping clear them out, there's a lot of new with tags. Yeah. And that's so sad because like, I think, you know, you don't get a lot of enjoyment out of these pieces anyways. It just adds clutter and I mean, obviously somebody else could find a treasure. Totally. Yeah. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Totally. Or woman. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you said something really interesting about, you know, the fast fashion and when these decisions are a no brainer. Um, sometimes people just don't know better and I think there's a big educational component to um, yeah just educating your consumer base yeah. who are already interested in sustainable choices but also the masses. Totally. So how how do you or how does the circle address that? I think that's the issue actually is trying to make secondhand resale and rental mainstream mm. and how we push it into the mainstream and what can we do in the next decade that makes it people's first choice and I think one of the ways and one thing we'll see a lot of hopefully in the next decade is technical advancements mm -hmm. um, things like using AI I think at the moment shopping secondhand user Ooh, experience AI though, so scary so scary yeah. <laughs> terrifying world, isn't it but um, if we harness it and use it for good yeah, use it for good <laughs> how does that happen in fashion well so uh, if you think of if you go on um, Azara and they've got their new collection and it might be 200 items and you can scroll through that relatively easily mm -hmm. and, can, and digest it and consume what you want to consume at the moment I think we have something like 16,000 items online at the circle. At the circle. Wow. And they're all one-off pieces. Okay. How do you begin to filter through that? Yes. How do you make this the best user experience so that mm. people can find exactly what they want to find? Um, and a lot of that will be through AI, where you click on something and then what recommendations come up and what the algorithm then pushes towards you. Um, I think it's something Vinted do quite well on their For You page. I know. Um, I know. It, the algorithm is as such that it generates things that they think you will like. I know, it works. Yeah, but that's <laughs> great. Uh, and then it makes you go back again and again. And that's where, that's what we want. Yeah. Um, so there'll be things like that. Even using, um, we had a look at the beginning when we started the circle at AI models. So ultra realistic human models. Oh, okay, um, like to wear the clothes. To wear the clothes. Them. Um, okay. And they're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. At the moment, human beings are better. Um, but who's just saying five years' time? So 
that could potentially help operations become even leaner, everything faster. Um, so that would be a really cool advancement because at the moment we're human beings, which at the moment we find to be the most efficient because yeah. dressing a person is much quicker than dressing a mannequin or hanging something up. Mm -hmm. um, you also get to see how the clothes change totally. people, which I think uh, like it, it, it's, it doesn't quite uh, replicate, but mm -hmm. it does bring it to the closer organic experience of like shopping yeah. in a shop. Right. Um, Hebe, yeah. are they RFD tags? Is that what they're called? Um, yeah, have them. No, but that's, is that what it's called, RFD? Uh, yeah. Could you just Google? What does it stand for? I don't know. What I just know, I know what the tag is. Okay. But I would just want to, is it ERFD, RF? RFD tags. RFID. RFID. Oh, thank RFID. you. Thank you. Um, What's that? RFID tags, not really confirmed. Um, RFID tags are these little, they can sort of range in sizes, but you, they get tagged to the item and they're like a chip. Okay. And it harnesses the information of where it was produced, how many times it's been bought, how many times it's been resold. So oh. I think it'll be really interesting information, not just for resale platforms to be able to track mm. the items, but also for new brands being able to track. So this dress is a circle number, it's C New York. Um, and if this was RFID tagged, C would be able to track its lifespan and its life cycle and then generate really accurate reports about their clothes. Interesting. Um, and so that will make people more aware, hopefully more accountable, mm -hmm. uh, for where their clothes are ending up. I've actually seen this, I don't know if it's the exact same thing, but um, in the way that companies are using NFTs, yes, and this sort of yeah, that that um, I think I think they're in, they call digital passports, but mm -hmm. it's like really high end price items, and it really comes into also certifying the source of where uh, the different components were were sourced from and where it was made, and so you've got this entire because um, I think transparency is an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Companies and how they make things, and it's like great we have it's, it's organic cotton but like what factory was that made in and so I, I think that technology is bringing that level of transparency and mm -hmm. I think the more information the better basically yeah yeah and it will make it easier for platforms to be able to just generate all the information scan of a tag information goes into the yeah. system and then you make it online that's great yeah so things like that that just create uh, a more scalable and efficient business model but also make the user experience better mm -hmm. is the way that that's how resale, or one of the ways that resale will become more mainstream. Yeah. And I think the other thing is engaging brands to get involved in resale. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's a massively booming market, so they'd be silly not to try and get involved yeah. to get a piece of the pie. Um, but they're the ones that can actually make a real difference. Because mm -hmm. um, the opera is such a skill. Yeah. yeah. So getting them involved and, and I suppose also brands at the moment are relatively short-sighted because they create an item, they sell the item and then that's it. Mm -hmm. And actually they could harness more revenue from the item that they have created because that item will probably be getting resold somewhere right? Um, and they see nothing for that. Mm. So it then would incentivize brands to create, to create items that will last the test of time and generate revenue again and again. Because unfortunately, it's it it is the financial aspect that is going to drive 
brands to make a change. Yeah, I know. A proper change. Yeah. They can they can greenwash a change, but to make an actual change. Yeah, so speaking of greenwashing, because I think most people have an understanding of that word. I think we see it also a lot when it comes to like food, you know, organics with an X, <laughs> you know, that is sort of branding and, and whatnot. Um, what are some of the greenwashing trends that you know are happening in fashion specifically and how can we as consumers be a little bit more careful? Mm. I think some of the, the, the new brands that are creating their own resale platforms is just for the Upfront. name. Yeah. yeah, pretty little things, marketplace. Mm. It's almost just another avenue. If someone's missed their returns date, they have another avenue of recouping right. some of their losses. Um, and so that I find quite frustrating because they're not, they don't care enough about their marketplace to really invest the time into making it the best marketplace. Mm. Um, because it's our entire business, we're going to put all our energy and our time and our resources into making it the best possible system. They're more focused on selling new because that's where, that's where their priorities are. And so it's a shame that then they create an average version of what could be amazing rather than maybe outsourcing it to a player that's going to really make it exceptional and therefore get more people to buy into it. But at the moment, if they've got a subpar marketplace that is genuinely just people shoving their returns on there uh, that they missed the date for, it, it doesn't do anything to curb really overproduction or overconsumption. So what are things for people to look at or to pay attention to or to research when if they want to they want to buy a sweater, let's say, but from a brand that's a little bit more sustainable, what are the things to watch out for? I guess just digging deep? Yeah, I think you can do the research obviously about all the 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 ingredients, mm -hmm. <laughs> the fabrics, but I think it's just got to be that really considered um, what is the impact of my purchase mm. and am I actually going to get use of this? Right. It, that's, if you really just consider every purchase and there's no mm. spontaneity, um, but no, it's a, it's a, it is a minefield mm. and it's something I still grapple with being a, a, um, a recovering shopaholic. <laughs> So I understand it's not always easy and I still don't know, I mean I list fabrics every single day and I still don't know necessarily the exact components and implications of each one. Um, so it's always, we're always in progress. Well, I think that's really interesting because even if you're not buying second hand per se, you can still make a little bit more of a conscious choice in your purchasing like mm. you said. If it's like, do I really need to buy this? Do I have something at home that's already similar? Yeah, shopping from your own yeah. wardrobe. Definitely. I like that. Or from your um, friends' wardrobes. Or from your friends, yeah. totally. But I, I think actually I often will see, for example, an in, someone on Instagram. Ooh, flashed, yeah. Uh, someone on Instagram wearing something seriously cool. And I say, oh my god, I need to recreate that. Where do they get their stuff from? Oh, let's go and mm -hmm. have a look. Yeah. And actually, if I just dig a little deep in my wardrobe, I can recreate yeah. the vibe. You're like, no, what is that? Yeah, I've got something similar. Totally. Yeah. Oh my god, it's like I'm always drawn, and the girls will vouch here. Is um, I'll pick something off a rack and go, oh my god, I love this, and then they, sure well, yeah, that? you literally have that. <laughs> yeah, I'm the no, you love it. <laughs> I think it's a phenomenon that happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, 
I, th I find personally that doing an inventory of my wardrobe, like every season or every three months if I can, like it's incredible actually what, how often you go, oh my god, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, and then it feels brand new. So it's just like having goldfish memory where yeah. it's like, oh, great. And you get to enjoy it all over again. Yeah, and challenging yourself to actually wear everything in your wardrobe yeah. and try and style things uh, differently. And sometimes I, I did challenge myself that a few months ago. And I sometimes did come into work and it didn't feel that cool, you know, I just, uh, but that's when I knew it was time to let that item go, yeah. put it back into the market. Oh, that's fair. Okay, so like that's a very good gauge to... Yeah, yeah if, if, you don't, if you don't wear something for a year, you're yeah. not going to wear it. Oh, okay, so a year. I'd, I'd say a year. Right. <clears throat> and I still kid myself with some items into thinking that I'll give it another few months, I'll wear it next winter, I know I will. And it, you know, the winter comes and goes and the coat remains on the wall. Um, and it's so hard as well because trends all do come back. So often I'll yeah. be selling something and thinking, I know, oh, I know, yeah, give it five years, this will come back. Or yeah, those horrible ghosts that warn you that you did once have it. But I think just live in the moment. Who knows what five years is going to mm -hmm. say. And if you're not wearing it, just sell it on. Well, I know that you say, and this is a really cool wardrobe hack, obviously, the whole like having a wardrobe that pays for itself. Mm. Um, so I'm sure by now you're, you've got a lot of practice and you're very good at like calling the herd, if you will. Yeah. Um, but are there any special items and pieces that you actually do hold on to and why? Like what makes those pieces? Oh, special, no, I, you know? I definitely do. Um, I found a secondhand redone, um, that's the brand name, suede tassel jacket. And I'm, it's so weird. I gravitate towards anything suede and tassel -y and I actually don't wear sweet and tassies it's that often girl yeah. i love it i get it but i, I actually it. don't feel that cow i don't have many days where i wake up feeling like a cowgirl yeah so my oh, sweet and jacket feel. doesn't get yeah thrown around that much also you've got to have the suede is annoying because you've got to have dry weather cool which weather. is really hard <laughs> in british climate impossible impossible but it's just one of those things that it, i just stare at it and i treasure it and i love it and i knew i got it for such a steal mm. um but it is one of those things that i do also have a little side eye and i think if I came across hot times, oh, you know, smart. I know that you hold some yeah. value, uh, but no, I definitely have some pieces that uh, I that mean a lot. My granny had a dress from the seventies that I fit now, and it I wouldn't say it's actually in fashion, but it's a really mm -hmm. cool, quirky dress, um, and that's something I will just never ever ever part with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there are some special pieces. I get that. Um, I think yeah, I think that's it. There's an emotional component and an attachment to clothes and I think it's just about finding the right balance where it's like is this attachment really because there's something truly special about it yeah or is the attachment more because you know you've got hoarding tendencies that yeah. you need to bring. I think also people feel oh but I spent money on it so it would be a loss but if if anything it's taking up rent space in your wardrobe mm -hmm. um and rather than not wearing it you're better off cutting half your losses and selling it yeah. on and using that money for something else. Well, I know that um, in terms of like reselling and have it like thinking, I, because I guess you must think about that, right? When you buy an item, you think about the resale value it would have. You wouldn't buy something that you would basically not get anything out yeah, of, right? Yeah, never. I think I heard you in another interview talk about how den denim, sorry, is the one thing that's not worth buying you yeah, because never. of that. Do you want to like walk us through one? Yeah, it's um, denim is a funny one. Firstly, it wears so well. Mm -hmm. So denim lasts 
forever. Yeah. And the like the the older it is, I feel like the more cooler. It's, yeah, it's totally. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also doesn't retain its value from when you buy it new. So for example, a pair of A-gold jeans, you can buy it new for about £250. Mm -hmm. Expensive. Yeah, very expensive. You walk out the shop, they will drop down to £70. Oh. So they lose their value really quickly. Yeah. People just, probably because there's such, um, there's so many of them on the market. Yeah. So it's sort of flooded, so the value's down. Um, but it means that if you buy them for that £70, or £60, £70, you can wear them for two years, they won't lose their wear because mm. denim wears well and you'll be able to put it back on the market for 60, 70 pounds. That's so smart. So for me, the denim thing is an absolute no-brainer. My mm. conveyor belt of denim, oops, sorry, I mean, I've got a conveyor belt of denim, um, of second-hand denim, it's just the easiest mm. um, to buy. I actually don't really sell that much of it though, but I, jeans are such an enigma, I spoke about this before, is ever, I'm always on the hunt and I feel a lot of people are, my mum and I talk about it, we're always on the hunt for a perfect pair of jeans. Yeah, jeans are the worst. Always on the hunt. So when I find one that's nearly perfect, I find I get it, take it home. Then the next few weeks later, oh, it's not one nearly perfect, get it. There's never the perfect pair. Mm -hmm. We've got to all just cut our losses. It doesn't exist. How does it work for you guys, Sam? Sam is in the back. The <laughs> jeans. Do you guys still have the same issues where? I think it's more it's more down to the fit like you have because you can have like your kind of your boot cut or regular and then slim and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It really like differs and it depends on like what you like but once you found a pair I once you, you just... found a pair you just stay in it like I've had the same pair now for like three years I've like had a bit of weight gain and stuff as well so I've had like a differ but normally there's like one or two that you always like go mm -hmm. for basically all Stick the time with. so um, wear them in until they've got holes and then I know there's always that pair of jeans or even like that piece of clothing, whatever it is, that you just love so much and you wear it to shreds. I know, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But that's great. Also. It's great. It means it, you gave it a really good life. Yeah. That's what you should celebrate. Um, Hebe. Hi. What's the statistic on jeans, uh, the water? Do you know how much water? Remember we had a debate about it. It was more than hamburgers. Um, yeah. What? So this is the other thing, why find it? 10,000 litres of water in one pair of jeans. To make a pair, to make a pair of jeans. 10,000 litres of water for one pair. Wow. So that's the other thing, that's is horrifying. you should not be buying new denim. They have such an impact. I'm just trying to think like, we'll go, oh, I guess like the cotton and Ooh, the, the yeah. yeah. <gasps> that's um, crazy. So that's another reason definitely yeah. to be buying second hand denim. That should be the main reason. Yeah. The, and the economics makes yes, sense. Too. Yes, yes, yeah. well, both. Yeah. You know, whatever, whatever resonates with different people, like that. But there's just your no, message. You know, in terms of denim and, uh, and how it wears, mm. there's just, it's definitely, definitely, definitely wears the best. So if you did have to buy something new, what are brands that you do recommend or that you trust to buy because you know that like their entire mission and system is set up to be conscious? Genuinely the only thing I would bought new probably in the in twenty twenty three. Apart from underwear. Obviously. Would be underwear. I think underwear, that is just the yeah. only thing and I'm striped and set, but and my pajamas are from striped and set. Um but I'm trying to think I do feel like there are things that are I mean, who buys no, you don't. No, you don't. no. no. Really so that's why it's yeah. so clever. Yeah. Um, because they that is a responsible alternative, mm -hmm. um, and they're really pretty. But what have I bought you? Um, no, I don't. 
I'm trying to think what you need. I buy my basics, like I, the last t-shirt I bought was from The Circle. So, mm. we, you know, I think there's more options now for casuals. Yeah. It's not just event dressing to buy secondhand, you can buy your casual wear secondhand too. But I'm trying to think of like actual basics that, okay, I might not, uh, if I wanted a long sleeve, Oh, my long sleeves I've had for 10 years. I just but basics, I feel like, are really hard sometimes because those are the things that people wear a lot. So, yeah. you know, shopping, let's say, at a thrift store, you kind of see that it's quite worn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stains and all that. I think maybe there's also this misconception a little bit about old clothes are old. Yeah. Maybe they're old looking. But I guess you there's a whole triage process that you guys do to make sure that you are able to offer totally and, yeah and so a lot of the basics are new with tags people yeah. have just bought the wrong size and have forgotten to return or um don't need it mm -hmm. but i actually that is a good question and i wish i could offer alternatives but i literally have everything at my fingertips in this room so um <laughs> there's no excuse i mean even so even candles like the other day my flatmate um she she bought this amazing dealsford candle oh nice uh, and she got it at the charity shop. Nice! And it was like five pounds, so normally it would have been like 45. So you really can find it all. Yeah. I think you just have to get into like a new habit of thinking. Yeah. And maybe like getting a new habit of where you're looking. Totally. And I think once you break that cycle um, and make it a habit, it's, it's actually becomes then very easy to incorporate until it becomes your obvious first port of call. Creating a new brand yeah. of And you know, you won't always find, I, I do understand people who shop you, you can't always find on the second hand market. Um, and the reason that I do is because I'm exposed to it every single day. Um, but I think it's just making, if I, could, if I could tell anyone, it would be please just check second hand or mm -hmm. rental first. Yeah. And then, and if, then you if you really can't, sure. you come up dry. Yeah then you try. Like, that's all we can ask. And hopefully, as in a few years, there's more players, there's more options, and there's um, more availability, it'll be a different story. I think that's a really good tip of, like, self-discipline. It's kind of like being in a store and looking at something and not being sure. And you know, the, the trick is, I'll put this on the side, I'll go for a coffee, I'll think yeah. about it. And if I still absolutely love it and I'm obsessed with it, then I'll come back. So I guess it would be kind of the same model, where it's yeah. like, do your due diligence, look in secondhand, mm -hmm. and then at the very, but at least you, I think it does help your mindset though, even putting in these little like thinking practices. So, so that you can buy And also, I think we, we upload between 100 to 200 items a day. Um, oh wow. So there is, there is a, a lot of options. Busy beans. I remember actually when I, when I was at school, I remember when I used to shop on Topshop, and um, they would always say 600 new styles a week. And I just remember that really vividly. Ugh. 600 new styles oh a week. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, that's, terrible. that's crazy. But now we're creating, we're being, yeah. <laughs> we're pushing out that 600 new yeah. things a week. Um, but new to you, what's actually new? I know that, you know, because you think about decades ago and how people considered dressing, and it wasn't a thing before, and it really I blamed the internet and social media yeah. about this whole, well, everybody's always wearing a new outfit, yeah. and they're always paying the No, yeah. and I've been, it's been crazy to actually hear young people, younger people, we're young, um, but, you know, people just say, oh, no, I, I like to have a different outfit every week, and when you think about the elegance of how people used to dress because they invested in really nice key pieces yeah. 
and they worked with their wardrobe and they were very strategic to like make new outfits with the same thing. I don't know, I feel like there's something quite, yeah, just quite beautiful and elegant in that. And so she, yeah. very chic. Very chic, you know, I think, yeah, it's very chic to be thoughtful. <laughs> um, I have a quick, like, a couple of quick flash questions for you. Um, fun ones. Do you have any sustainable hero in fashion or outside of fashion? Uh, my guilty, actually non-guilty, my not guilty pleasure is watching Venetia Lemana's Instagram. Okay. Um, she just tears down all the big, uh, terrible players. And Ooh. she does it often by just cooking a recipe at the same time. And it's really engaging content with a really powerful message. So a little shout out to her. Okay, cool. We'll pop her up. Totally. Spring. Um, recycled or upcycled fur? Yay or nay? Sorry. Fur. Oh, oh, sorry, my accent. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like if it's been, it's already been produced, um, then it's better to get used out of it. Mm -hmm. So, both. Okay. Uh, case for case situation. Um, favorite part about being a social enterprise business owner, and least favorite part. Um. It's extremely fulfilling and I love waking up with a purpose every single day. It also can be, on that note, very thankless and it feels like an uphill battle mm -hmm. constantly and it's sometimes hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. In terms oh God, of... Don't discourage us. I, what's next? <laughs> no, but do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It, as in, like, it is, you wake up and on the one hand, like, I'm doing this amazing thing and I'm really yeah. making an impact, but then sometimes it feels so much bigger than you. Mm. And there's, we are so in the infancy as a whole industry yeah. that it seems quite daunting and scary and the statistics just aren't getting better. Mm. And so it's, it's um, that's the best and the worst. I, okay, I love that you say that. If I can share my perspective, because that's a little bit what inspired a new table is, you know, I think these, these big, problems, these big questions to answer are, you know, I think have brought on a lot of like apocalyptic thinking about mm, this yeah. world. Totally. And people are like so depressed, have no hope. They're like, like you said before, I know recycling just plays a tiny part, so like what's the point? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people will think that way, even even at a bigger scale, even if I switch my wardrobe and I do that, um, like what does it matter? And I will always think back, and like Sam knows the story at this um, farming uh, event that I went to in January, the Real Oxford Farming Conference, and they flew in this amazing regenerative farmer from the US, I forget his name, but they were going around, he was sitting on this panel, and they were asking this question about how do we feed the world, right? And everybody kind of gave the answer. So everybody had their answer to him, we feed the world, I think this, this, and that. And then this guy's there, and it's his turn to answer the question. And he goes, I'm going to butcher his, like, southern drawl. goes, <laughs> um, well, that ain't my problem. My problem, what I care about, is how do I feed myself? And then how do I feed my family? And then once I do that, I think about how do I feed my village? And then once my village is fed, I think about how do we feed the village next door? And if everybody thought about that collectively, then you have the answer to your question. Hmm. And it like blew my mind because I think sometimes we we zoom out so much yeah. that we kind of 
uh, sort of almost like dilute what our little step-by-step -step impact can have because like, we're not alone you know there's like hundreds and thousands and millions of people that do like small little actions collectively and if we just do our part I mean I don't think it's it's lost yes <laughs> no and I, if it was lost I wouldn't be doing this mm -hmm. um, but sometimes you can wake up and just think, oh my God, it's a, it's, it feels like a big fight. Yeah, um, but then again, if you, yeah, as you say, break it down, and it, all it takes is if everyone just changed their shopping habits and had just 20% of their wardrobe mm -hmm. secondhand, the impacts would be huge. Yeah. Um, so it's just about chipping away and just trying to keep, keep going, keep <laughs> putting clothes back into the system. What are the moments that bring you back into feeling inspired and, you know, keep you, yeah, just keep you going forward? Walking into this room, yeah. it's so fun. The energy in here is great. We've got a really cool team all sat over there staying very quiet. Um, yeah, but they're lovely. Yeah, they're fab. And seeing all the clothes and hearing from the customers who have loved using the service, hearing from our sellers that, um, feel like they've wanted to get their clothes up into the market but have another time and the fact that we can do that for them I think that's what keeps me going um, and also just the little ones we're about to hit I think 40,000 followers on Instagram and once we do that will feel like a real Amazing. turning point and then it's on to the next and it's on to the next so I think I love the challenge and um, it's all about enjoying the road, enjoying the journey. Mm. And so on that note, what's next for the circle? How, I mean, how can people support you guys now and what do they have to look forward to? I think we're only getting bigger, so we're only going to have more things available to buy. Um, we're really working on always improving our user experience. That is at the forefront of our yeah. priorities at the moment. Um, which is very digital based, right? Which is very digital based. Um, but I think it's scaling for impact is the sort of long-term goal uh, in the foreseeable. We've got actually a really exciting thing coming up, but I don't think I'm allowed to say it just yet. So that will be um, hopefully signed, sealed and delivered on Tuesday. Oh, cool. So, okay, keep us posted. Yeah, fingers crossed. Awesome. Actually, by the time this goes out, well, so, yeah. we're, so we're going out in August. Okay. So yeah, well, you'll just have to notice yeah. that. Yeah, definitely. Do and then we'll do the underwear. We'll do the <laughs> yeah. underwear You actually yeah. do need to go yeah. and have a word. Yeah, for yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but no, that's just, yeah. I don't know. I'm now literally about to hit a Friday rule. <laughs> so in the meantime, people can find you online Sorry. through Instagram. In the meantime, okay, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, keeping me on the street yeah. now. The in the meantime, the Instagram is The Circle, yeah. uh, but we spelt Weirdly, C-I-R-K-E-L. Okay. Yes. We'll pop it up. Um, and you can find us online. Um, and we drop, as I said, about 200 items a day. Awesome. Which um, is really fun. So it means that you might have a week of not finding anything. Mm -hmm. And then it's gold rush on Monday. Love that. Um, but it's always chopping and changing. So yeah, do we're definitely worth a follow. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks Thank so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for sharing about your journey and obviously inspiring us to how we can make a little bit more conscious choices, whether you shop at the circle or not. Yeah. Um, we hope to see you again. Thank you. We'll let you go enjoy your Friday night off. <laughs> <laughs>